2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to spend the next couple of segments taking a look at headline news. And then in the latter half of this first hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. Hopefully we'll put a smile on your face. James Glenn will join me for that portion of the program. And then for the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show, we're going to feature the Christian outlook. You're going to hear from Bob Bernie as he looks at the violence erupting in Israel with hundreds of rockets coming into the country. Don Crow will also be featured on the strike and um, uh, the spike rather in receptivity toward the gospel with a pandemic and domestic turmoil. And we'll hear from Dr. Albert Moeller on a Southern Baptist church in Southern California that recently ordained their first women pastors. That's all coming up in the second hour on the Christian Outlook. Well, taking a look at the um, news of the day, uh, yesterday marked the practical end of a year-long Uh, scientific, pseudo-scientific face, um, diaper folly, as one commentator, Douglas Andrew, put it. As you may know, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced yesterday that people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 no longer need to wear masks or physical, physically distance. Now, whether indoors or outdoors in most circumstances. Now, of course, we live in the real world and depending on where you happen to live, who your neighbors are and what the retailers, for example, or restaurateurs in your community require, that may or may not uh, apply across the board. And this, of course, sets up what could be a very contentious season. Some of us walking around with uh, without masks because presumably we've had the uh, vaccine. Others of us without masks, just deciding we don't want to wear them anymore. People giving you the side eye because they're not sure which category you're in and believe you should be wearing it all the time anyway. So this will be a real test of our forbearance uh, with one another. In any event, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said, we have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Based on the continuing downward trajectory of cases, the scientific data in the performance of our vaccines, and our understanding of how the virus spreads, that moment has come for those who are fully vaccinated. And of course, that means in most cases, you've had two shots. In the case of Johnson & Johnson, that only requires one. My understanding is it requires two weeks after the second shot before you're considered fully vaccinated. Well, good riddance to the mask for those who have endured them for more than a year. But what on earth took these, um, these guys so long? Many critics are asking the mask guidance. Uh, Should have been rescinded last May, concurrent with the firing of Tony Fauci, whose flip flopping advice has been almost comical. So writes Douglas Andrews, having followed very closely what we've been told is true, what other scientists have said is true, and the confusion that followed. There's no reason for anyone right now in the United States with regard to coronavirus to wear a mask. Uh, The not so good doctor said last February... So, anyway, there's been a lot of uh, misinformation, information, confusing information, contradictory. Uh, advice and so on. Well, the science behind masking and the requirement has always been somewhat dubious, with the exception of the N95 respirators and surgical masks. Their effectiveness is somewhat akin to putting up a chain link fence to keep the mosquitoes away. And for school age children who've never been at any great risk from COVID-19, the masking requirement has been unnecessarily burdensome uh, from the start. But at this point, for those who are vaccinated fully, Again, my understanding is that requires two weeks following the second shot. Uh, You no longer have to wear the mask indoors, outdoors, or socially distance. At least that's theoretically the case. There are some retailers, some restaurants that will require you to continue wearing them to be admitted into their facilities. And, of course, we have one another to deal with, uh, and forbearance will certainly be the order of the day well people who are fully vaccinated for covid 19 with no longer need to wear a mask or physically distance in most indoor and outdoor public spaces in oregon and washington the governors in both states announced yesterday <clears throat> and that of course was following the new guidance from the centers for disease control and prevention says uh, oregon governor kate brown it's another sign that we are Uh, We all continue to do our part. The pandemic is coming closer to an end. Well, the CDC's guidance adopted by both states still calls for wearing masks in crowded indoor settings like buses, planes, hospitals, prisons and homeless shelters. Under the guidance, people must wait two weeks after their second dose of the Pfizer or Moderna uh, vaccine or their first dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to be considered fully vaccinated. Well, Oregon and Washington are working quickly to update their guidance for businesses to lift masking and distancing requirements by verifying a person's vaccinating uh, vaccination status, according to both governors. Well, that raises a whole other set of, um, of questions and uh, perhaps uh, problematic uh, in their nature. The the notion of a uh, vaccination or a vaccine passport in order to travel has been a consideration that has been the the point of much debate. Well, businesses may continue to enforce masking and distancing rules if they choose. Representatives uh, for New Seasons Market, for example, Fred Meyer, QFC Grocery Stores, they told local media that they will continue requiring masks inside their stores for the time being. Now, that in and of itself is going to uh, produce some contention, I would imagine, because there are people who will say, look, this is what the governor has said. I'm unwilling to abide by your rules. But these are private retailers, and they do retain the right to require you to wear them. As we have throughout the pandemic, we are reviewing current safety practices, the CDC's latest guidance, and soliciting feedback from associates to guide the next phase of our policy. That's according to a Fred Meyer spokesman. Well, earlier in the day yesterday, Governor Jay Inslee announced, announced that Washington state's economy is on track to fully reopen by the end of June the 30th. Governor Brown hasn't given uh, an estimated date for fully reopening, but said most restrictions will be lifted once 70 percent of residents 16 and older have gotten at least one dose. Well, the news comes on the same day that younger people aged 12 to 15 were allowed to get vaccinated in both states. Vaccines are also easier to get than at any point uh, to date, with many places offering shots without an appointment. So that's where we stand. Whether you choose to have a vaccine or not, uh, let's see here. We're not gonna. We're not gonna go there. Well, President Biden says uh, allowing the fully vaccinated to go maskless indoor maskless. It's kind of hard to enunciate. Is a great milestone. Uh, Target is still requiring masks while reviewing their new guidelines. And I think we'll find that for many retailers, that will be the uh, the case. The CDC chief moved from impending doom to no masks for the vaccinated in 45 days. CNN's Sanjay Gupta says the CDC is not following the science on mask guidance. Others would argue that they haven't been following the science on mask guidance until now. Colonial Pipeline Company paid $5 million to get the pipeline back online. That's according to reports. The pipeline likely paid more than $4 million to the hackers in order to get its pipeline back up and running. The payments have been made to, to the terrorists. That's according to billionaire John uh, Cast—get this right or something very like that. He was speaking on Fox Business with Maria Bartiromo on Thursday morning. I understand from my sources that $4 million was paid, four million, five million, I guess that's not much for the big wheelers. When asked by reporters if he knew about the ransom uh, payment, President Biden said he had no comment. Well, restarting of the pipeline will be the next, uh, with uh, will in the next few days, help restore the flow of gasoline across eastern part of the United States where fuel shortages are abundant. The 5,500 mile uh, colonial pipeline was was, uh, will transport more than 100 million gallons of fuel per day, or almost half of the East Coast's supply. It was taken offline on Friday by a Russian hacking group called Darkside that demanded $100 million ransom. Somehow they got away with far less than that. About 68% of gas stations in North Carolina reported fuel outages, according to Gas Buddy. Roughly half of the gas stations in Georgia, South Carolina, Washington, D.C., and Virginia also reported outages. Uh, Castamedes he added that the pipeline will be flowing on Monday or by Monday at the latest. In other developments, Brian Kilmeade slammed the Colonial Pipeline hack payoff. Americans are now paying the price. I'm not sure what the alternative is if you cannot hold these individuals criminally accountable. Meanwhile, President uh, uh, President Biden is whipping up a uh, a ransomware task force after the uh, colonial pipeline reportedly coughs up millions and says don't panic amid gas shortages warning gas stations some um Against price gouging after the colonial hack. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. In the second half of this first hour, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend will join me for that. So looking forward to it. Well, uh, Meghan McCain is calling out the media's strategy of avoiding all the real problems coming from the Biden administration, focusing rather on other minor issues. And Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, has renewed his call for a carbon tax. Target is going to stop selling Pokemon and sports trading cards in stores uh, over safety concerns. Apparently, brawls have broken out over those very things. Well, Israel has sent ground troops into the Gaza Strip. From the story, Israel has been uh, retaliating with airstrikes of its own, but the ground attack marks another major escalation in what authorities were already describing as the largest clash between Israelis and Palestinian militants since 2014. Uh, Meanwhile, the conflict has proven the value of missile defense. From the story, a spokesman for the Israel Defense Forces says that Hamas and Islamic Jihad, Iran-backed terrorist groups based in Gaza, had fired some 1,700 rockets against Israeli cities this week as of Thursday evening. But the defining image of the conflict so far isn't Israeli infantry maneuvering into enemy territory. Instead, it's the night sky over Tel Aviv that lights up as batteries of Iron Dome missiles Using radar and sophisticated computer systems, track and shoot down 90% of the incoming weapons. You can read more about that in the Wall Street Journal. Ariel Davidson on Twitter said this, Someone is yet to explain to me how the Palestinian government could possibly compromise with Israel and still win an election after naming schools after terrorists, subsidizing terrorist families, and promulgating textbooks that portray Jews as pigs and devils. In other news, as I've mentioned, the CDC has fully vax- says rather fully vaccinated people can stop wearing face masks and they no longer need to keep their distance from others. Ed Morrissey points out this is pretty much common knowledge already. Only the CDC seems to have problems comprehending it. Philip Klein says uh, in National Review, though this is an important and long overdue development because the guidance only refers to vaccinated people and the vaccine has only been authorized for about uh, for those 12 and older, it means that children will still be subjected to scientifically unnecessary rules children uh, are at extremely low risk of getting severe covid 19 or spreading it the only rationale for ever having them wear masks was to limit the possibility of spreading to older and more vulnerable populations but with these uh, those populations now protected that rationale has gone away again you can read more uh, from him in national review well anti-semitism and ignorance of um Uh, The squad members is on full display. The cluster of uh, uh, Congress members are tweeting and speaking hatred of Jews as Israel is under attack. The National Review reports, from another story, leading Democrats such as Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, meanwhile, argue that Israel's military retaliatory Gaza strike this week proves Israel will resort to its own acts of terrorism against innocent Palestinians with little pushback from American officials. Ms. Omar and Ms. Cortez uh, claim that many U.S. lawmakers support Israel, at every turn without question. Well, Such accusations from the two progressive firebrands prompted outrage Thursday from former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who responded that the arguments being made by Ms. Omar and Ms. Ocasio-Cortez carried a deep, deep flavor of anti-Semitism. Senator Marco Rubio called Omar out of her mind for her tweets in the New York Post. Meanwhile, John Kerry is admitting that Uyghur slave labor is being used to build solar panels. You might want to keep that in mind. But he eventually shrugged it off with, well, that's not my lane. My lane is very specifically is to try and get the Chinese to move what we need to to do with respect to climate itself. So slavery there, no big deal. I've got other things on my mind. Well, a media outlet uh, blasts young reporters who dare to expose the Black Lives Matter movement and Antifa from the story in The Spectator. For the, um, uh, for the Intercept, the story isn't the burning police car or the looted grocery store. It's the young, ill-equipped and underpaid reporters who document it because the cable news channels can't be bothered to. Among those criticized by Intercept is Town Hall's Julio Rosas, who has suffered greatly covering these stories. Katie Pavlich, also from Town Hall, says, Town Hall stands behind Julio and his fearless real journalism. We will not tolerate smears that put a target on his back, which can result in violent thugs causing him physical harm as he documents volatile situations. From Jennifer Van Laar, We absolutely do stand behind Julio, and this isn't the first time lefty journals have smeared a town hall media journalist and put a target on their back. Remember the smear campaign against me, including L.A. Times, publishing personal info, it needs to stop. And from the Daily Caller, the reality is that our reporters were just a few of the many journalists who ventured during a global pandemic, but they stood out from the rest of American journalists for two reasons. First, their bravery in accepting danger to cover an important story better than anyone else in America. And second, the nuanced, balanced and honest story they told. You can read more on that in the Daily Caller. Fox News reports that Intercept co-founder Glenn Greenwald called it the hit piece disgusting and dangerous. And from Andy No, who's also had a target on his back, says as someone who nearly died as a result of being beaten on the head, Uh, For my video coverage of riots, I cannot overstate how much more you're endangering these reporters in your hit piece. Uh, He says the press freedom needs to uh, condemn this anti-press freedom propaganda. A Russian conspiracy theorist has been uh, rewarded With position in the Justice Department, Kimberly Strassel points out on Susan Hennessey, like all good conspiracists, uh, conspiracists, uh, she also worked hard to cast doubt on facts that disproved her theories. She excoriated a 2018 memo by former House Intelligence uh, Chairman Devin Nunez about FBI surveillance abuses, suggesting it was a lie. She wrote this before she'd even read the memo, which proved accurate. When the Justice Department Inspector General released the 2019 report lambasting the FBI's conduct, in the Russian probe, including that Mr. Steele had cobbled together gossip, she tweeted that she didn't think the findings are significant enough to justify the work of a podcast. In the run-up to her job offer, thousands of her prior tweets somehow suddenly and mysteriously vanished. Well, Penn State University um, rids the words freshman, junior, senior, calling them sexists. Hmm. I guess sophomore is okay. The university from the story has grown out of a typically male centered world. As such, many terms in our lexicon carry a strong male centric binary character to them. The resolution reads the terms such as freshmen are decidedly male specific, while terms such as upperclassmen can be interpreted as both sexist and classist. If they truly didn't want to be classist, they do away with degrees altogether. In government and politics, Elise Stefanik has been elected to replace Liz Cheney as House GOP conference chair. A government watchdog says HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge violated the Hatch Act. You can find out more about that in Politico online. Following in the CIA's woke footsteps, a U.S. Army advertisement features the story of a soldier raised rather by a lesbian couple. I'm not sure how that's relevant to serving in the U.S. Army, but that's what being woke looks like. Other notables, we're shocked. Shocked, I should say, crime jumps big time after court-ordered policing changes. And a Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, plans to pardon anyone charged for defying COVID rules. Israeli troops have entered the Gaza Strip as Hamas rockets continue to light up the sky, and Democrats are divided over Israel and its unfull full display. On this day in history, 1796, English physician Edward Jenner inoculates eight-year-old Jamie Phillips, Against smallpox by using cowpox matter. 1948, according to the current era calendar, the independent state of Israel is proclaimed in Tel Aviv by David Ben-Gurion, who becomes its first prime minister. President Harry S. Truman immediately recognizes the new nation. 1955, 55, rather, representatives from eight communist bloc countries, including the Soviet Union, signed the Warsaw Pact in Poland. That pact would be dissolved in 1991. On this day in history, 1973, the National Right to Life Committee is incorporated. And finally, also on this day in history in 1973, the United States launches Skylab 1, its first manned space station. Skylab 1 would remain in orbit for six years before burning up during reentry in 1979. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we return, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show, which means we're going to spend a few minutes taking a look at the lighter side of the news. Joining me to do just that is James Blend, the producer of The Georgine Rice Show. Hey, James. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm happy it's Friday and I love the weather, so no complaints.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. I can't wait to uh, get done and get to enjoy a little bit of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with this story. It's a bit offbeat, if you will. A top cop has been banned after faking a report to get out of attending a meeting. Now, he was the um, chief of police, which is pretty serious. But here's what the um, uh, what the AP reported out of Freiburg, Maine. Well, the former Maine police chief wanted to skip out of a public meeting so badly that it cost him his career. And I think all of us can relate. I know Zoom meetings, I'm just about Zoom meeting out. Um, but a law enforcement oversight board had decided to revoke the license of the former police chief uh, after an investigation found that he had been, um, by the way, he'd been the police chief for six years. He had invented a suspicious person report so that he could ditch the um, Freiburg Board of Selectmen. It's a meeting back in February of last year. And this is even before the... Um, Pandemic was a big issue. Well, the Maine Criminal Justice Academy decision engaged in, uh, said that the police chief engaged in a multi-step fraud that began with texting one of his officers and asking her to call him out of the meeting. Well, the police chief then drove his cruiser to the Freiburg fairgrounds. Well, uh, Chief Potkin, he then used the computer in his cruiser to create a false entry in the department's dispatch system that said he drove there in response to a report of a suspicious person. The Academy found he also entered the fairground employee's license plate number into the entry to continue with the uh, with the fraud. Well, the Academy voted back in February to take away his license. Uh, he had later resigned and can no longer serve in any capacity in law enforcement in Um, Maine, in the state of Maine, can you imagine wanting to get out of a meeting that badly so that you um, go through all of those steps only to be discovered and your career comes to an end?
0: I mean, it's the ultimate in overthinking the simplicity of my dog ate my homework (laughs) uh, or just saying, I'm not feeling well tonight, gentlemen, Uh, go on without me. Um, You know, I mean, if you really, really want out of it that bad, there are options that are certainly... You know, more honest and less intricate, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: My heart's not in it. I'll, I'll catch you next time around. <laughs> I guess if you're the police chief, you don't have many options, though. Let that be a cautionary tale to us all. I guess. Well, a Texas woman recently learned she was charged with a felony after she failed to return a VHF uh, tape for over 20 years. Whoops. Karen, <laughs> yeah, Karen McBride. She's a former Oklahoma resident. She faced a felony embezzlement charge for not returning Sabrina the Teenage Witch to a movie rental store in Norman back in 1999. She told Oklahoma station KOKH-TV that she learned about her charges in Cleveland County after trying to change her name following her marriage in Texas. I thought I was going to have a heart attack, she said. They told me that I had an issue in Oklahoma, and this was the reference number for me to call, uh, and she did. Meanwhile, she... um. She's a wanted felon in that state. Well, according to court documents, she was charged in March of 2000 for felony embezzlement of rented property. The location, movie place, went out of business back in 2008. Well, McBride said she doesn't recall renting the movie and believes it may have been an old roommate who was at fault. Um, He had two kids, daughters that were 8, 10, and 11, um, or 11, I should say, and I'm thinking he went – and got it and didn't take it back or something. It wasn't her. I've never watched that show my entire life. Well, she said she also believes she um, may have been let go from different jobs during that time, the last 21 years, due to the felony charge showing up on her background checks. The charges were eventually dropped by the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office after her story aired on local television. The uh, district attorney said McBride will need to get her case expunged to clear her record. Oh, my goodness. It's um, 20 years ago. A tape wasn't returned. VHS tape, which, of course, <laughs> practically nobody could watch anyway. The business has gone out of business, and that may have cost her credibility in trying to find and keep employment. So um, make sure you return what you have borrowed or rented. I think that's the moral of that story.
0: You know, anytime you hear these stories, whether it's an overdue book that uh – if you know, someone checked out, like, during the Vietnam War or something like that, and they found it in a trunk last week. Um, or or why, why is it that it's always, like, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and not, oh, Gone with the Wind or something like that? You, you know, it's like there are these great novels, there's these great movies, and, you know, I am of no means of keeping things that aren't yours. I, that, I don't subscribe to that at all. But by golly, if you're going to at least class yourself up a bit, said bringing the which that's not going to do anything for you. And it sounds like she didn't even watch it. The other question has to be: twenty years—that's we're still in the two thousands. Then DVDs came out in ninety-seven. People, um, you weren't <laughs> even up to date then. VHS was over already, and people went oh, wanted the store go out of business. That's
2: why. Well, case solved.
0: Rent better have- movies.
2: A Chicago cat may now have eight lives after jumping out of a fifth-floor window. This is Thursday afternoon to escape an apartment fire. According to the Chicago Fire Department personnel, uh, they were taking a video of the exterior of the building as firefighters were extinguishing the blaze when a black cat appeared through a billowing uh, window full of smoke, uh, and it was a broken window. Well, the the, uh, fire-fleeing feline briefly tested the side of the building. Uh, with his front paws and then, well, jumped. Well, onlookers gasped as the the cat fell, thinking, well, that's it. Uh, but it missed a wall and it's, as it hurtled downward and instead landed on all four paws on top of some grass where it bounced once and immediately ran away. Now, we don't know what happened at that point on, but it went under my car, hid until uh, she felt better after a couple of minutes and came out and tried to scale the wall to get back in said the fire department spokesperson. Well, the cat wasn't injured, adding he was trying to track down its owner. No injuries were reported after the fire, which was confined to one apartment. The cause of the blaze hasn't yet been reported by officials um, or how much damage was done. But as far as the cat goes, the fifth floor window, Thursday afternoon jump, a little shaken up, but that was about it. They actually had images of the cat jumping. It was really quite something to see, but I... Suppose that's the way they're built, and they were he uh, or she was able to uh, to survive that kind of a fall.
0: The very definition of landing on your feet, you know.
2: Yep. Yep. Well, Chicago Animal Shelter has uh, reportedly deployed more than one thousand feral cats onto the streets in an effort to fight the city's rat problem. I'm not sure which would be worse, the rats or the feral cats. Well, the Windy City-topped pest control company. Uh, Orkin's 2020 top 50 rattiest cities list for the sixth time last year. Treehouse Humane Society's Sarah Liss said last weekend that the operation seems to be working. We've had a lot of our clients tell us that before they um, had cats, they would step outside their homes and rats would actually run across their feet. Okay, note to self, do not visit Chicago. Uh, they're actually deterring uh, uh, them while they're... Um, I guess with their pheromones, that's enough to keep the rats away. Well, Treehouse Humane Society's Cat at Work program uh, was initiated in 2012 in an effort to both combat the issues using an environmentally friendly control method and help what they call community cats. Well, the feral cats, which have been rescued, neutered and vaccinated, are placed two or three at a time into residential or commercial settings under the care of a registered caretaker. The cats um, acclimate in confinement for a period of three weeks before they're released. Uh, Treehouse says um, on its website that the feral felines in cat-at-work uh, colonies wouldn't be able to thrive in a shelter or home environment and need to be relocated for various reasons. Well, as mandated by the uh, Cook County Managed Care of Feral Cats Ordinance, cats of the program are managed for the entirety of their lives with support From Treehouse, their presence in society alone repels the disease-carrying rodents, although the cats have been known to hunt and catch um, rats on occasion. Treehouse says other methods like poison and traps or short-term solutions and largely ineffective as um, there's a continuous food supply for the rodents and uh, burrows are quickly repopulated. Poison is also dangerous to more than just rats, especially when used around homes and businesses. So the feral cats... Are catching mischievous rats.
0: Well, we uh, are. Um, I was going to say, I, found, I was able to do a little bit of time travel, actually, and find the follow up story to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all about the uh, 10,000 stray dogs that were uh, released to Chicago to clean up the cats.
2: <laughs> and it goes on. Exactly. When you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. we got to take a break, but we'll be back to continue to look at the lighter side of the news.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. In this segment, we're taking a look. We're continuing to take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend has joined me for that purpose. And then in the second hour, we're going to share the Christian outlook with Bob Bernie as he looks at the violence erupting in Israel with hundreds of rockets coming into the country. Don Kroll will talk about the spike in receptivity toward the gospel with the pandemic and domestic turmoil. And Dr. Albert Moeller uh, we'll talk about Southern Baptist Church in Southern California that recently ordained their first woman, uh, women pastors. Also, I should mention next week on the program on Monday, we'll talk with James Gall. He's the author of The Feeler, discovering how sensitivity helps you discern and act on God's voice. That's coming up next week on the Georgine Rice Show. Well, a New Mexico man went to the grocery store while he was shopping some 15,000 bees moved into his car. Now, I've seen these swarms of bees. They're protecting the queen, and they're looking for a new location, and they go from one place to another. 15,000. I guess my biggest question would be, how do you know how many bees there were? Was there someone literally counting them? In any case, at least they weren't um, murder hornets, which you know would have been a bit more painful. After what should have been a minute's um, routine grocery trip on a leisure Sunday afternoon, a New Mexico man was shocked to return to his car and find some unexpected visitors waiting for him, thousands of bees in his back seat. Well, Earlier this week, the man whose name was not released left Albertson's grocery store in Las Cruces and placed his groceries in his vehicle. Uh, He had left his windows open while food shopping. Well, it wasn't until he started to drive off that he noticed the thousands of bees taking the trip with him. The Las Cruces fire department was soon at the scene, blocking off the surrounding area to protect nearby shoppers from the bees. One firefighter, Jesse um, Johnson, used his experience as a beekeeper, which he does in his spare time, uh, to safely relocate the swarm. He was uh, off duty at the time, arrived at the scene with everything needed to move the bees, a hike kit, lemongrass oil, gloves, and a proper attire to protect yourself. Uh, He soon relocated them to a more suitable location, Photos of the incident show Johnson in full gear, surrounded by thousands of bees as he placed them in temporary hives. The fire department estimated about 15,000 bees were removed from the car and taken to Johnson's property, an effort that took nearly two hours. Let's hope there wasn't ice cream among the groceries uh, for this Albertsons shopper. I think I just would have abandoned the car and that would have been the end of that. I've been at a car dealership looking for something else. But at least they were able to extricate the, the bees, relocate them, and all was well. That ended well, unless, of course, there was uh, ice cream in the bag.
0: Well, you know, certainly the question I have, you know, what would the look on the face of the car dealer be when you tried to trade that car in? Oh, you have a trade-in, yes, and a side money-making opportunity in honey.
2: <laughs> yeah, they get a little extra, a little mm-hmm. bonus. Well, giant California condors are pretty rare, but not. At the home of Cindy Nichols, about 15 to 20 of the giant endangered birds have recently taken up um, or rather taken a liking to the house in uh, the city she lives in, Tehachapi. That's where she lives and made quite a mess. Well, um, the daughter of uh, uh, this woman, Cindy or Cinda, uh, from San Francisco began posting photos of the rowdy guests on Twitter she told the San Francisco Chronicle the birds showed up at her mother's home sometime last weekend. The birds have trashed the deck, ruined a spa cover, decorative flags and lawn ornaments. Uh, plants have been knocked over, railings scratched, and um, there's, well, droppings everywhere. She is definitely frustrated, but also is in awe of this and knows some... Um, what an unusual experience it is. So she's looking for the brighter side. Well, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which runs a program to save the species from extinction, responded on Twitter. The agency noted that the house is in an historic condor habitat and suggested that um, uh, Michaels uh, try harmless hazing like uh, shouting and clapping or spraying water. Now, these are giant California condors. I think I'd be loath to try to get their attention. Uh, it's not unusual to see large congregations of condors in Certain high use uh, areas like the region where this incident occurred, especially when feeding fish and wildlife spokesman says and in an email, unfortunately, they sometimes perceive houses and decks as suitable perch locations. Well, California condors almost uh, vanished in the 1980s before the few remaining birds were captured and placed in zoos for captive breeding. Well, a few hundred birds are now in the wild as condors recolonize parts of their historical range, people could increasingly find themselves interacting with the curious, intelligent, social birds. Did I mention they're also giant? So they're rather large at the same time. But wait, there's more. In Tampa, Florida, residents of a Florida neighborhood say that they're beset by an invasion of turkey vultures that are damaging homes and causing major messes. Now, I'm not sure which I would rather have, the giant condors, or the turkey vultures. One resident said that her neighborhood in the Tampa suburb of um, West Chase is overrun with the large blackbirds, and they've been multiplying since they showed up some three years ago. We could have 20 to 25 vultures on our roofs. They land on our screens. Their uh, uh, under uh, uh, feathers are all over the roof. Uh, their droppings are all over the place. Other uh, homeowners say that it's possible the vultures were dislocated from their previous habitat, by ongoing development in the area. Well, residents say the U.S. Department of Agriculture has promised to remove the vultures, but no timetable has been um, set. So in my lifetime might have been the follow-up question. They are destroying our neighborhoods and our property values. I would like them gone. Of course, the vultures might say they've destroyed our neighborhoods and our property values. Vultures are uh, state and federally protected as migratory birds. That means it's illegal to harm or kill them without a permit from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Apparently, it's also uh, not permitted to move them when they're uh, creating havoc.
0: Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind is when, when you want to redo your home and you know bring, bring new life to it, you're supposed to call Marie Condo, not Marie Condor.
2: That may very be the different source of the problem,
0: very different results. Uh, but uh, it's funny. I mean, you talk about how giant those are. Uh, I think it's two summers ago now uh we took Verity to the san diego zoo um and of course san diego but um <laughs> they have condors there and oh i could not believe how big those birds are they are almost human size yeah. Um, certainly were as big as she is at the t- was at the time but uh yeah it i would not want those in my house and the same with the turkey vultures either but uh you know i i don't uh I I don't – it's called close the window for me. Yeah, I don't envy those. I'll just get central air conditioning.
2: (laughs) There you go. And build a tunnel from the front door of your home to your vehicle. That seems to be the other solution. Well, Olivia and Liam are the two most popular U.S. baby names for the second year in a row. It appears parents chose to stick with the familiar during an unprecedented time. With the top three names for both girls, Olivia, Emma, and Ava – and boys, Liam, Noah, and Oliver, remaining the same for the second year in a row. The Social Security Press Office announced last Friday, in 2020, the year of the uh, coronavirus, of course, 2021, remains the same. Seventeen girls were named Rana or Rona, depending on how you want to pronounce it. That number is down from 30 in 2017. Well, new baby names data um, is published every year. The press office released the top 10 girls and boys' names every year. The top 10 girls' names for 2020 are Olivia, Emma, Ava, Charlotte, Sophia, Amelia, Isabella, Mia, Evelyn, and Harper. The top 10 boys' names in 2020 are Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, William, James, Benjamin, Lucas, Henry, and Alexander, Alexander, rather. Henry has not been in the top 10 for boys' names since 1910. The Social Security Office also compiled the uh, top five boys' and girls' names that are rising in popularity the fastest and have been affected by pop culture. The girl names include, um, I think it's Avaya, Denise, uh, Gianna, Capri, and Ro- Rosalia. The boys, Zaire, Jackson, spelled with an X, T Y N, Jackson. Uh, Jacoby, Kylo, and Aziel—not a James or a Georgine among them. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour, so we got a break, but we'll be back with the Christian Outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for
1: listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at grice show. And like us on Facebook and join us live every weekday at four for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.